Mitch. Hello, Dave. Welcome back to Everyday Meeple. Thank you very much. It's nice do you, to be Do you know back. the slogan? The slogan We're of Everyday, everyday people. people. Talk about everything Meeple. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, of course perfect. I know that slogan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not so much the jingle that I kept trying to get Steve to do, but uh, it wasn't right. working. We're not going to try the jingle. No. You were doing. You were working on some synchronized timing things yeah, we too. Were, I remember. We were working on yeah. the community. Uh, oh right, vibe. Troy and Ovid. Uh, yeah, Mitch and Mitch and Steve. It, yeah, talking. Mitch and Dave. Now he's even less syllables with us, so it, it works even. More. Yeah, one of us would have to be Mitchell or David, kind of thing. I think for it to work. Mitchell. Yeah, I'm not. I said, but we we're going to try it. Quit. Quit no. digging in. We're not, we're not doing it. <laughs> I'm looking for continuity, Mitch. <laughs> I, uh, From past before, we, shows. before we talk about anything, I said uh, last week that I wanted to give a shout out to a game on Kickstarter. Joe Slack is a fellow from Toronto region anyway, and he's uh, been very active in game design community. He's written, I think, two or three books now on game design and has sort of built uh, a small community of helping people get into game design. So he started a, an online board game design course, which he uses to then expand this community and and uses it to um, sort of just get things going, get things rolling. And he's publishing, I think this is his third game this year. Uh, and this one is self-publishing on Kickstarter. And it's a game called Relics of Rajivahara. I don't know if I'm pronouncing yes. it wrong. It's an awkward stumbly word. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's mostly a solo game, I think. Where you're, it's a very, it's a total solo game. It's a, a very, it's one player game. Yeah, I think you could probably pal around. Oh, maybe you could probably. It, 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 so, sorry, because you did sit down and solve it. But yeah, it's a solo game. Yeah. right. Yeah, and you, you, sorry, you you just you sent it to me, and I remember looking at that and remember it being a solo game. But we'll get yeah, back yeah. to that. In a it's second. you're totally right. It is a mm-hmm. it is designed as a solo game. It's a one player game. I, it's just and, in my head. I'm like, I would play it with Macy. You know, we sure. Would solve it together. Together, yeah, yeah. But it's a very uh, puzzle type game where you're pushing blocks around. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before we get into the game, and it looks like a really neat game, and uh, uh, I remember uh, us uh, uh, you sending that to me a little while ago. But but the one thing I, I did did want to um, uh, to bring up there when you were talking about the designer um, are these free online courses, or are there things you pay for to build the community, or is there things he offers free? Well, I was so I he, just had that question I wanted to ask before I forgot. He sells uh, the books, so you can go to Amazon right. and download the the ebooks and stuff. And I think there's hard copies of the books. And then the his main, I think he has two main board game uh, design streams that that keep coming up. And one of them is sort of a start to finish how to how to get into board game design and how to work on your design. And then he has uh, what's the other one? The other one is is uh, how to publish basically so it, it just works you through common problems and and common steps to get your business side ready of things. to publish to pitch and that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, right and through that he does he does all sorts of things for this kickstarter he everybody who's been involved in this has been getting behind the scenes he's been doing uh posts okay about the whole process and what choices he's been making and why he's been making them and giving you all sort of the the metrics and the view behind the whole process and he's going to saying he's, he's going to follow that through production and everything as well, which is fantastic. So yeah, that's been super interesting for me to follow along. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the reason I wanted to bring the game up, one, he's a Canadian designer. Uh, two, he's self-publishing. Three, it looks amazing. Um, mm-hmm. As a solo puzzle game, There's it comes in, in five boxes and each box is sort of a level. And each of those levels has 10 
smaller levels inside of it. And each time you open a new box, you get new pieces and new rules and new mechanics. And and it goes on. And then there's a sixth box that you open and it that adds in replayability. So you can you can keep playing it after you've done all five boxes. And it seems really interesting, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And he his original goal was to hit 10,000 and he hit that in four hours. So the first four hours of his Kickstarter, he hit 10,000 and within uh, 24 hours, I think he'd almost tripled it. So there's about 11 days left. I think it's, well, I'm not sure how many days there's 11 days today, but this might not air for a bit. So it's, I think it runs till June, July 31st. So if anybody is excited about uh, Kickstarter stuff and is looking for a really neat little, solo puzzly game i just wanted to mention yeah. it because because it was yeah. doing really well talk about the game though mitch uh, you started describing it and i cut you off so yeah just just describing the game for people who haven't seen it yet because it is pretty cool looking uh so the game you're, you're playing each floor is is uh a puzzle where you're trying to push and move blocks around in order to get uh, crystals. Sometimes it's crystals and later on I think there's an adversary that you have to defeat. So there's another sort of meeple that ends up showing up and you have to block him or crush him with boxes or something. So you're jumping up levels onto boxes but you have to move those boxes to be able to get up in the right space. And it's it's really similar to to some older toy puzzle games but it has added in this depth and this uh, theme and like I think it's really it's really taken a sort of a standard puzzle type game that has maybe existed and and bro- elevated it to something really much more interesting and more sure. playable and thematic, which is what it, always fun. Mm-hmm. What it reminds me of more than anything, because um, I, I don't know if I've ever uh, I've played many. Well, no, not so much that. Uh, like thematically, sure, a little bit, but um, but just the style of game. What it reminds me more of more than any kind of board game is is really simple game apps for your phone it's a very angry birds feel like really simple puzzle you've got to you got to move the boxes like you got to throw the birds to get things and then uh first level is really easy second thing it's a little tiny bit harder and this incrementally you know you add more boxes and you have to move them around the map gets kind of bit bigger but you know the the or not the map gets bigger but at least like the the number of things going on in your limited playing field kind of expand. And like you say, you add the adversary and you add these different things. And it's, uh, but it's the type of thing that I would say probably a single game of it probably can take, especially in the early stages, probably takes minutes, right? And then I would say as you go on, probably even the most difficult puzzles probably don't take any more than 10 minutes or 20 minutes. There's, I didn't, I didn't make a lot of notes about, uh, I was, okay. I was just going to mention the game. Okay, but sure. There is, uh, on the Kickstarter and through the stuff, you can see sort of a breakdown of of how much time it will take, sort of okay. per per floor, which is how he mm-hmm. describes each. So there's ten floor. Oh wait, right. Each floor is one of the five boxes, and then each floor has so many levels, and then you yes. can sort of see a breakdown of how long, on average, a a puzzle, individual puzzle, would take, and how long uh, a full box of the puzzles would take so floor, right okay, there's yeah. there's a breakdown of basically how much time you get out of the main game and mm-hmm. then and then once the you've finished it and once you have the other thing then then the it sort of generates new puzzles and it ends up being replayable so right so it's more of a randomizer at the end kind of idea that randomizes all the rules or all the something pieces. like that it's still kind yeah, of yeah, a mystery yeah. it's not sure yeah i mean it's yeah. in the sixth box yeah. it's a hidden secret sure any any idea any idea what this would retail for mitch uh, once it comes out because I love solo games, and that's that's a that's something that I, I'm sure I want to. Uh, well, I will 
like to touch on a little later on in, in it does, the show. Uh, well, now that I've got the Kickstarter open, it's yeah, saying it the full run through is about 15 minutes in adventure, uh, 60 okay. minutes for the full campaign. And wow. I think, and I think it's saying a total of like four hours of gameplay. But okay. uh, the retail, the main pledge is about $43. So you're getting a, a box that's full of all the cubes are one inch cubes and there's mm-hmm six boxes and more stuff that comes out and so it's about forty three dollars so okay so it's a medium moderately priced board game yeah yeah fair enough no it sounds good um and and the interesting thing a ton of time on it i just wanted to no yeah because i i think it was worth mentioning no well and last week's show was about filler games and because if if the puzzles are that short you could play a puzzle or two very very quickly so that could fill uh you know qualify as a filler game for one at least so yeah totally and in the same thing the other thing I wanted to mention, we were talking about Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. and how maybe it's a filler game, maybe it's not a filler game. Mm-hmm. I made a, a couple points. You made a couple points. And mm-hmm. what we didn't know was happening, um, for some reason, escaped both of us. On July 17th, after a slight delay, Magic the Gathering uh, launched a whole new sort of system mm-hmm. called Jumpstart, oh. which is a new way to get into and play magic cards and it's interesting makes it quick and fast and it's going to lead to a whole new sort of tournament play for this too where it comes in booster packs and each booster pack is themed to a particular uh, monster type thing in mm-hmm. in the magic the gathering universe and they're 20 card booster packs and you oh. take two booster packs shuffle them together and play with a 40 card deck and mana is separately or everything is inside in there wow they're all cards there's about 500 cards in the in the whole set Uh and they're mostly all reprints of i think from classic and i think it's all from the newer core sets okay sure they're they're mostly reprints there's uh, i think i think there's something like 30 or 40 new cards Mm. to make the themes sort of work in their booster packs and it's kind, kind of the same concept of smash up where you just sort of pick two um, I would say entities. I'm, I'm bring two factions. Mm-hmm. And you yep. shuffle them together, and that's your deck, and you play. And mm-hmm. it just and any just launched and sure it fits and it, perfectly in everything we were saying last week. Right, and any 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 two factions would theoretically be able to shuffle them together yeah. and play together. Some would work better probably than, than others together. Yeah, but yeah, interesting. Oh, yeah. that's that's kind of neat. I like that. I like that. Um, because I think. And, and my point was, I think magic could be. And I think if they're going in that way, I think someone has identified that here's how it could be. Here it is. There it is. Yeah. That's great. Well, four you go. Decks. You, you I had no idea. I have 40 card decks. And, right. and the other thing that I said 30, I, actually. I said still, 30. And yeah. I had built way back when I had mm-hmm. built, a, I was following a, a build in a magazine and I built mm-hmm. a goblin deck. And that right. was only about 45 cards. And right. it, was, it was unbeatable. It was, I mean, Beatable in the six friends I played with. It was probably completely beatable. But I built this thing, and and the whole point of it was I was all really low uh, Mm -hmm. cards. So you you just, from the first round, everything's fast. Stuff attacking constantly, Mm -hmm. constantly, constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you didn't worry about. Always like grenades and like damage. So. Yeah. And you never worried about losing your minions because your minions were all pawns you never had a big knight or a queen to lose so you just threw your pawns at people until they ran out of life yeah i, I love go- the goblin concept deck even and though i couldn't be a little i couldn't build it old. properly because of the other thing i talked about with my magic collection where i never had a lot of the really good cards so right yeah where the magazine said put in four of these i'm like i, I i'm lucky if i have one of those sure <laughs> so, yeah. yeah 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 interesting interesting 
You got a good segue? Uh, well, we'll I did. We'll play I the music. did. Um, well, one of the topics we talked about this week, it, it works into a segue from last week too. One of the things we were talking about last week or that I said um, was that we kind of made, when we started playing games a lot together, me and you and Steve, especially when we kind of start around the time that, that we started the podcast, we kind of made this informal non-written agreement that if one of us bought a game, the others wouldn't because why have several versions of a collection? And I was thinking about this this that morning. Part really fast. Well, well, here's the thing. I brought the solo game angles for you guys. That's exactly what I was, how I was going to bring it up. And the three games, three notable games where I've broken that rule and Steve has broken the rule in a very strange, similar, strange vein way is um, I bought Gloomhaven because we had started that the three of us and we never got it out and we never got the hang of the rules as as a group of the three of us and we had so much role-playing games on the go and so many other games we wanted to play and the time commitment and the setup commitment and everything else but i kind of liked the game and one winter when it was really kind of stormy and i was just kind of like i had a little bit of extra you know what? that gloomhaven game quite fun i think i'm going to buy it and play it but the other two games were both stonemire games uh one of them we want to talk to today wingspan and the other one was tapestry and one of the games that Steve bought was Scythe, which was another Stonemeyer game, um, which we're playing a, a campaign, campaign of. And I'd love to get back and talk to the three of us about that a little later on. But uh, I, I just thought that was really, really interesting. And I think the reason is Stonemeyer makes such great games for groups, but they are, the, the Automa decks are so well done for solo play that I wanted to have both Tapestry and Wingspan in my collection just to play one-on-one. Um, and strangely, Wingspan, you wanted to talk about that today, but I will just say this. Steve showed it to us. We played a few games. I thought it was amazing, colorful, just just so well made. I brought it home, played it once with our friend Dan, and then lent it to him and his wife Natalie, and they had it for quite a while and played a lot of it. And then he gave it back to me, and I had, had it in my house for like a week or two when I lent it to friends up the street. Uh, who have had it pretty much ever since. And I keep running into them. They're like, we have your game. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just no worries. I know where it is. It's just up the street. And they, they've they been playing it at least once a day ever since I lent it to them. Um, and I played it quite a bit solo. And again, it's a great game and I love to have it in my collection, but it's been probably my most lent out game. Uh, it just has such mass appeal and and that's just a good way to get into the game Wingspan because I know it's won a bunch of awards and you wanted to talk a little bit about awards, the designer. Yeah. But yeah, Huge so awards. yeah. Well, yeah, huge, huge, huge awards. And if you haven't seen it, um, it's amazing. And I tell you why, uh, just before, I, I know you have a lot to say about it too, but the reason why I decided to buy the game more than it's just beautiful and, and a fun game and a great solo game is when Steve broke it out, it was in the spring of the year and I was walking the dog through the waterfall park every morning and seeing all these new birds and going, you know what, I should, I live in a place, we live in a place where there's lots of migratory birds and I should be able to identify these birds. I should get myself a bird book and then Steve showed me this game, and I was like, better yet, I'll buy a board game that'll help me identify birds. And Because uh, the, the artwork is just like, it's, it's right out of a bird book. And um, so that's why I kind of bought the game to help me identify some of the games and some of the birds in, uh, in, in our area. And it, it's helped a little bit, probably not as much as I kind of thought it was, uh, thought it would, but, um, but just, just another reason to have it. And the whole idea of the, uh, of the game, of course, is you're building kind of a waterfowl park, which is, you know, sits right in the center of our town here in Sackville. Uh, so it just, it, it, it was almost like a local game to me too. So many or many reasons to, to love um, Wingspan on a personal level, but why do other people love the, this game, Mitch? 
Why do other people love that game? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's ask everybody. Let's ask everybody. First, we have to say it's Elizabeth Hartgrave who, who designed the game. Uh, so it won Kenner Spiel des Arts. That's the big prize it won, which is the heavier weight version of... So there's the, the Spiel des Arts is, a, is sort of a family weight prize. And then the Kinderspiel is the kids weight, family weight game. And then the Kennerspiel is, is sort of the more headier game space. So it won the Kenner Spiel des Arts. And it also won just this last uh, year, seven... Uh, Golden Geek Awards, which is huge. I don't think we. Steve and I mentioned this before because whenever it actually happened, the previous uh, winner of that many awards was Gloomhaven, and then mm-hmm. Wingspan sort of ran away with everything. Uh, when when it came out, which was 2019, so it came out in 2019. But she'd been working on it since 2016. Right. She had. Uh, she was very active in in her local game game group and stuff, and. She's a very outdoorsy, uh, so she's an amateur birder, and uh, her and her friends are, you know, hikers and whatnot. And so, a common thing that kept coming up in their game group was, why are all the games uh, space and castles? Why aren't there any games about stuff we're more interested in? And so she started working on Wingspan, and she actually uh, all of the info. So uh, there's tons of real life info in it, and she used the uh, National Audubon Society and Cornell Lab of Ornithology, I think, was the other one. And she called a lot of data from there and put stuff in. And she tried to build the game based on, you know, whenever the cards have powers on them and she tried to make those match what the birds actually did in real life. All sure. of their all of the nesting habits. Nesting habits and stuff. Yep. What yep. they eat. Number of eggs. Simplified yep. down to yep. stuff. And then each card has each card is unique and there's about 170 mm-hmm. cards and has an accurate depiction of the bird. Beautiful, beautiful art by Amazing. Anna Maria Martinez Jeremilo, Natalie Rajas, and Beth Sobel, who's one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. beautiful art. And then each card with the bird has a factoid on them too. So like science-wise, there's tons of actual information. She she didn't build it as a teaching game. She didn't build it as an educational game. She built it as a fun game. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole tie-in with the science and the facts and the bird stuff is just because they love that and why not have that? So, you know, it wasn't that she's trying to push an educational game. It's that maybe you'll also learn something. Yeah, but it makes the education fun, which is I think is the ideal educational game in my opinion. Oh, that's great. And, yeah. and why does everybody love the game? Because of what it is. So it came into uh, sort of this industry as a giant breath, breath of fresh air. One, one she, she teamed up with Stonemaier Games. So she had pitched it in 2016 to, I think, three publishers at Gen Con and ended up working with Jamie Stagmeyer and Stonemaier Games, who are known for, one, caring so much about their games. So their production values are leading the industry basically like they're they're at the forefront of setting the bar higher and higher for what games what their presence are on the table what they feel like what they look like and and so teaming with them basically automatically meant that the game was going to be aesthetically as best as it could be and their artwork is second to none probably in the in the game board game world it's unbelievable and so the theme wise it opened up the game world to to everybody so not 
it didn't feel like a game for for gamers it felt like a, a game for everybody and mm-hmm. uh, i think that that that's massive you know it got attention immediately it's it was featured in the new york times it was featured everywhere it, so it's it's blown up and uh, rightly so why does everybody like it uh, two it's also it, the learning curve is is smooth very for a, for a game that feels heavy it feels mm-hmm. crunchy enough to uh, for everybody to sort of enjoy. So it's a card-based mm-hmm. engine-building game where you are collecting birds into your own sort of tableau, which is your bird sanctuary, and then mm-hmm. you're building an engine. So every time you do one thing, it triggers the rest of the cards that you have in that section. And mm-hmm. you should be explaining the game, but uh, <laughs> why should, why should I be? You, you yeah. asked me why yeah. everybody likes it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's well, colorful. It's bright and it's smooth and fun to play. And just and it's like a fresh theme, uh, absolutely it's an accessible theme. And it, and it's interesting. Another podcast I listened to, and I was I brought this up last week too. Um, it's an RPG podcast, but they also occasionally um, in one of their behind the scenes podcast talk about board games and I, i've been catching up in some old ones and they talked about going to a board game convention and playing scythe which again stonemeyer games and everything else and I, I i bring this up now because scythe and wingspan have another thing in common and that's the matrix on how to play i.e like you say the learning curve to play it is very very quick but scythe is very intimidating to look at with so many other pieces and they were talking about scythe and getting a demo at a board game convention and one of the guys going, I looked at it and went, I'm never going to learn how to play this. It's way too complicated. And 15 minutes later, the two guys who were playing were going back and forth so fast because they had picked up a mechanic just like that. And then he said he couldn't wait to play it again so he could start figuring out the strategy. And I think that's where both of these games are very simple. The The learning curve is very, very quick. You pick it up really, really quickly. The iconography is not that overwhelming. There's only so much you can do per turn. But the strategy and where you can take the game is mind-blowingly huge. Uh, certainly in Scythe, but I, I would even say that in, in um, even probably more so in, in, in Wingspan because every card is different. So you have to roll with the punches because you can't bank on ever getting a specific card. But there are so many different ways that the cards interact with, you, with each other that every time you play, like it's very, very simple, but I think knowing the game really, really well leads to just like, some pretty interesting decisions strategy-wise as you play through. And it's simple enough that a kid could play it. I don't know if you've tried it with Macy. It might be... I think no, Macy I could possibly figure out that game. I mean, it's all reading, so she's not she's not reading yeah, it yet. Yeah, I guess, I guess it might still be a little uh, little, um, little early for her. Uh, but uh, I, I actually, when I bought the game too, I was getting ready to go visit my, my family back in Newfoundland, and my sister has two kids, and at the time they would have been about 14 and 11 and they were playing you know friday night family games and my sister and her family you know they play some good games but they're not the you know they don't like the real hardcore strategy i mean they they want to they're literally looking for family games and we played seven wonders when they were here last summer and, and they got into that but they wanted to play that again and again and again but i had bought wingspan because my nephew when he was younger loved birds and i figured this was a great game that he would really enjoy as he was getting a bit older um and unfortunately he hates birds now when he was younger he he liked birds now when he was younger he loved birds now that he's like 16 he likes things with engines in them like his old man so he should like planes now uh well because they're birds with engines right funny thing is uh, one of the things he's thinking about 
you know, becoming as he gets older is a, uh, is a SAR tech, a search and rescue tech and jumping from helicopters. He's a very good swimmer. He's done martial arts. He's in very good shape. Um, and, uh, and my, my sister lives in, in the hometown I grew up in it in Gander, Newfoundland has, you know, a search and rescue base there. So he sees these things on a regular basis. And, uh, I think he's just, at least at one point, I don't know where he stands now, but a year or two ago, that's certainly where he was what he was thinking about. So anyway, uh, but yeah, that's why I bought it to play with both my niece who was a little younger him cause he liked birds and, and the family who were just interested in playing whatever. And, um, I think it was a game would have been a game if we had got time to play it, um, that they would have really, really enjoyed and after like you know four or five games of it i think it could have gotten quite competitive with them because once they they get into a game as a family then they get quite competitive with each other so uh, yeah it would have been fun but yeah good for good for families good for solo good for you know high high strategy people um and just beautiful to look at and i think if you are any type of collector at all wingspan needs to be on your shelf i think that's one of one of probably 10 games i would certainly say that about and that's that's getting easier to happen. Whenever it uh, was released in 2019, they it sold it it sold out like 44,000 copies sold out across the world. Stonemeyer Games started having to be careful of like as they were printing them, they were shipping less than places were ordering because they couldn't keep up with demand. So I think I think that has maybe it hasn't even slowed down. Maybe it's still. Uh, still huge. It's she right. has she has a new game coming out that mm-hmm. is I think it's a lighter game. It's more of a gateway game, mm-hmm. but it's still it's a it's called Mariposa. It's coming out on AEG instead of Stonemire, and okay. it is it is a game about the migration of uh, monarch butterflies through North America and Mexico. Oh, and yeah. it's a topical set collection and movement as you're as you're following the migration of the thing and. Of the thing, of the monarch butterflies. <laughs> and she also has a game called Tussie Mussie, which I think you've played? Yes, I have. And I, w- I was hoping you were going to bring that up because this was, I think, her first game. And I-, I love the story of how this... I've talked about this before because it's her first published game, right? So in 2018, uh, she entered the Button Shy Gen Cant contest to do an right. 18-card game. And mm-hmm. it won that. And then it went on to uh, kickstart with Button Shy. At a, at a, it's an 18 card wallet game. Button Shy produces small plastic wallet games that fit in your pocket and, mm-hmm. and are super light and easy to play. And they were looking their their launching point on Kickstarter was a thousand dollars, and this game sold eighty four thousand dollars. Wow, that's amazing, eh? Forty six hundred backers. Yeah. Like yeah, we you, and it's so fun. Like Gloomhaven and and games that hit like millions of dollars. That's it sounds so impressive, but this is an 18 card game that soared 4,600 copies on that, you know, 30 days. So it's more impressive in its own way. And it's a super fun game. And that that's a a game I think I've talked about it before where it's, it's based on this Victorian era flower language. So you're building, Mm Uh, bouquets okay. and yeah. each flower sort of represents a particular thing where people used to build these bouquets and send them to people and they were kind of coded messages mm-hmm. and and it was just a goofy thing that people used to do in the victorian era and she made this game and it's also just stunningly beautiful and simple mm-hmm. and it it has become my favorite 18 card keep in my pocket game Super easy to learn. You can play three or four games in what twenty minutes. I used to try and push love letter on people all the time, and mm-hmm. 
for as easy and simple a game that Love Letter is, people didn't care. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a huge game. Love Letter is massive, super popular. I've never played it, believe it or not. Well, there you go. You might have played, I uh, have the Santa Claus Love Letter where you're trying to get letters to Santa. You may, maybe you've played that one. No, and I, but I know there's a number of versions of Love Letter too, but I, it's one of those games I've, for whatever reason, I've never played. But anyway, yeah, continue. And Tussie Mussie, it's, mm. I just bring it out and anybody will play it. And it's, I love easy. it. Like my, yeah. We play it with my parents just waiting for stuff to get mm. delivered at the restaurant. Fantastic. It, it's a fantastic game. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and what, I mean, it obviously says something about uh, her as a designer when you think she's, she's probably only been designing what for five years and she's already had two, you know, notable games already. Yeah, and so a third the other way. I had said before that, oh, that was her first game, but because she'd been doing Wingspan since 2016, because she started working with... It was in development. It was, it's been in development. So it's not like... Yeah. And she, she came up with it for that contest. So right. it's yeah. not like this was her first idea and, and right. she ran with that because yeah. she had already been doing a much bigger sure. game. Yeah. And, and she's got other stuff. There's, there's, I think yeah. she's working on a game okay. about uh, mushrooms. And she's, she's yeah. trying to keep this nature theme sure fresh and it is it's a fantastic way to go Uh, and besides besides her work i mean i can think of photosynthesis off the top of my head which is a great little nature-based game all made of um um paper pieces there's no plastic in it at all um and where you build a forest but beyond that mitch can you think of another really popular nature-based game in the last little while or they're starting to come out there's two national parks games that that came out there's trekking the national parks and one called parks uh, mm-hmm. That have both come. American out. National Parks, I assume. There's there's a game from uh, a few years back about uh, mushroom picking. Mm-hmm. That's that's supposedly fantastic. It's a two player game. Okay. Yes, I can. I'm not prepared for that, so my retention is not. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to pull a lot out of my head. No, I like I said, it was just uh, off is, the top of your head. It was all I was curious. This is fantastic. There was uh, I read a terrible article today. Okay. Sorry, terrible nope. article. Outdoor Magazine, which is a f- fine outdoor magazine mm-hmm. they, everybody is slowly starting to get on on reporting on board games which is fantastic but i find some of the reporting to be sloppy and mm-hmm. so outdoor magazine had an online article about the seven best board games there are seven favorite board games for outdoor theme mm-hmm. when you can't get outside and some mm-hmm. of it was great they had wingspan mm-hmm. photosynthesis yep. fantastic yep. they mentioned both parks games the parks mm-hmm. and trekking the national parks. They did mention that Treks, uh, trekking the national parks wasn't in print yet, but it's been out since I think 2014, maybe. Oh, okay. uh, they had, this is where it starts to fall apart. Oh, they had a stargazing game that I don't remember right now. Cause Neat. this wasn't on my notes. I wasn't going to talk about this. There that sounds stargazing apps, which f- fits perfectly. Stargazing. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. For sure. They had a, a mountain biking game. Uh, that's, that's not out yet. That's, mm-hmm. So I don't know how it's their favorite right. game. I don't know if they just stopped. They were running out of but running out of yeah. things to pad the list. It's a roll and move. <laughs> it's an interesting concept. Sure. Uh, it's a mountain biking game where they. It seems like they've taken the idea of a dungeon crawl, and, okay, and sort of transcribed it into mountain biking. So you're, yeah. you're mountain biking. I can see it through co- this through hazards. Trail. It's a roll and move yeah. sort of yeah. map, and uh-huh. and you roll to move. And then you roll to bump your skills to be able to face the next challenge, which which is like a monster. And then right. and then you're drawing cards, which either buff you or or whatnot. And if you fail your skill checks, you get injured. And then sounds like face, clank on a cycle. 
And then you, well, there's no deck building. It's just rolling. Oh, I thought you said there was like, cards. Okay. No, okay. no. Well, there, you you draw a card, you know, right. a chance card. Okay. You draw. Sure. Uh, oh, it's more like a Monopoly type card. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. Okay. So then, then uh, there is a, I don't know what you call it, uh, a section, you know, where you've got to really nail it. It's like a jump or, or an, okay. another yeah. obstacle. Yeah. And so then you have to roll a D20 uh, to defeat the obstacle. Well, to, to really do a great, uh, trick mm-hmm. on the obstacle and then mm-hmm. you have your skills wherever they've been set after your previous boosting mm-hmm. and you're allowed mm-hmm. to play cards to buff yourself and mm-hmm. it's it's basically it's a dungeon crawl transposed into a, a mountain biking game and it's like not the released idea. yet mm-hmm. and i'm not i don't even remember the name of it and i'm not going to mention it because i don't know which way i you know, I wasn't planning on talking about it. so sure, just sure. move past it and then the last one they had on the list was everdell which is a fantastic game Still haven't played it, but dying to. Looks Great so game. good. Yep. Fantastic game. Beautiful art. Very but nice. as a as a representation of the outdoors in an outdoor magazine about games to play about the outdoors, misses the mark. It, yeah. it takes place in a forest. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a game about anthropomorphic animals building a city in a forest. Not, I mean, it's as outdoorsy as root. It's as outdoorsy sure. as scythe. It's, you know, it's... Yeah, it's Saltlands. They could have found <laughs> another game yeah. uh, to go in the outdoor theme, I think. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. No, I'm bashing a magazine. They're a great magazine. I've I've, sure. I've read well, stuff I like in the magazine sure. in the past. But their audience isn't for people like you who love board games. It's for people who are reading their magazines. But yeah, you're right. They should Maybe do a better... They should have worked harder then. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Especially as a journalist, I agree. Absolutely. Um uh, I just want to uh, bring up one other thing here in my notes uh, about Wingspan. And I think something tells me we've talked about this before. I don't think it was on a podcast, but maybe I'm wrong. Because um, I don't think we've talked about Wingspan before. But have you ever seen the the, the movie uh, The Good Year or A Good Year no. with Jack Black and Owen Wilson? And, I don't think so. That's the competing okay. bird watchers, right? A- absolutely. And it is... Uh, I saw it on Netflix and it was recommended. I was looking for something kind of stupid one night and I looked at it and I went, well, the cast is really good. Like I said, three of three actors that I, that I have liked and, and like often Jack Black, Owen Wilson. And the third is Steve Martin. I do believe. I think it is because I think when I was, we were talking about this is when you lent me the Steve Martin biography, which I'm still only halfway through. Um, but uh, yes, it is a fantastic movie about bird watching and not only it is a good comedy it, it's a not a stupid comedy it is a well put together comedy it's got a bit of drama and in fact it is, it is one of the most surprising movies i ever went ah, i think i'll give it a go and went wow that was a great movie and it's about bird watching and it i watched it not that long before i played wingspan for the first time and again where we live and everything else I, it, it just makes me want to know more about birds both both the board game and this movie and uh and and similar to the, the game you mentioned about the constellations i mean we ha- we have some on a clear night here we have some pretty big guys for atlantic canada here in sackville with the marshes and things and i would love to know more about constellations so getting a game that would teach me a little bit about that even if it's just fun to play and teaches me a little um you know a good uh, uh, uh certainly a good investment i think uh, for me there's also uh expansions coming for wingspan I think mm-hmm. one a year so far, and she's trying mm-hmm. to do an expansion for each continent. Right. So she's done. I think the first one was the European mm-hmm. birds, and then and that's out, right? Yeah. 
I think that yeah. was out uh, not long after Wingspan came out. That one I think got okay. released, and then the next one I think is Asia, and that's all I know about. But she's, she's um, working on more. Sure, I, I think that's really cool, especially for for the collectors. But I think Wingspan is one of those games, and I can think of a probably a few more. A Terraforming Mars, for the most part, even though I think they've done a few expansions which I like more than the ones that I, that I have. Um, but uh, I I don't Terraforming Mars is such a great base game, and I think Wingspan is such a base uh, great base game that nothing in me makes me want to run out and buy the expansions for those games. Not saying that they certainly wouldn't add anything, uh, add something to the games. But for me, I, I think that the base game is varied enough that I don't think I get bored with it enough to purchase an expansion for it. I I think one of the things for the expansions is not it might not necessarily be even aimed at us where the game is selling worldwide but you're playing with birds from North America. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? It, so it's, it's right. brilliant to to build content without absolutely. I think other times people might have gone, "Oh, we're just going to redo Wingspan as we Wingspan UK." Right. And like you know, Ticket it's, to Ride. It's, this, it's the same sort of thing with Ticket to Ride where they have mm-hmm. new maps. Mm-hmm. New maps come out. So I think I think you can just get cards. I mean like Imagine you were planning a backpacking trip across Europe for three months and you were like, how do I get ready for this? I'm like, I'm going to play Wingspan with the European cards. Well, in that case, it would be a, a perfect reason to get the expansion. But just me personally, like I was saying, I I, I think it's... Uh, with, with, yeah, anyway, uh, just the amount I play it. Uh, I, again, I, I probably went it out. I, I think more people have played my game than I have just at this point because it is such a well-loved game and, it's, and it has been hard to get. Um, and I kind of played it enough that, uh, you know, and other things to do that I, that I was happy to lend it out. But, um, but yeah, and, and I think, you know, maybe one of these days or if I see it on sale it, or if I was in a game store and I felt like, you know, I've been in here browsing for a while and I need to, I think I should buy something. And if I saw that there, it might be something I pick up. But it's, it's not something that I just you know um like there's a few games where i where you know i've wanted to get every especially when i first started like carcassonne my god i must have bought you know it feels like i bought a dozen probably didn't buy that many but i but at first i bought certainly the first four or five expansions for carcassonne because i wanted as many tiles as possible but with wingspan i just don't feel i I just haven't felt that that need for whatever reason at this Mm. point uh, I will eventually buy Wingspan for our shelves mm-hmm. and not not just because it's a super fun game that mm-hmm. I, I feel like I want to have because sure. it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy it because uh, of of Macy, mm-hmm. of my daughter, mm-hmm. who isn't ready to play it yet. But I think Elizabeth Hargrave is uh, a fantastic role model. And, I agree. And I want to have... I, I would put posters of her up, mm-hmm. you know, the way that... Uh, <laughs> teen idols get put up in in their daughters' rooms. Right. I would like to put Elizabeth Hartgrave and like maybe an Eric Lang poster in in Macy's room, mm-hmm. so she had heroes to look up to. Elizabeth Hartgrave is extremely well spoken and outspoken, and is uh, obviously very constant, smart. Constantly pushing for more females in game design, mm-hmm. more females in in just games and, and it's science color. too. Every everything she's doing is positive and and is necessary. And her her webpage has um, some great stuff on it too. She's built uh, one tab is women and non-binary game designers. Mm-hmm. So it's a just a list, a collection. And then the other one is black voices in board games. And she's done the same thing where she's just highlighted uh, people to check out, mm-hmm. and and it's it's fantastic. So mm-hmm. she is worth following mm-hmm. follow her on twitter if you like board games at all her voice is is one that 
you know, is going to lead to so much more interest and, and things going on. And yeah, I'm, if I could say, follow somebody, go follow her for sure. I'm not, I'm not on Twitter. Is, Twitter. Is she on Instagram? I'm not sure. Okay. I'll check her out. I follow her on Twitter and I haven't stumbled across her stuff on Instagram. I don't go looking for a lot of like my Instagram stuff is whatever comes to you happens organically. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But I, where I'm not on Twitter, I, I, she'd be one person I would love to see what kind of thing she puts up and she must have an Instagram account or, or, you know, I mean, I'm, I've only recently started firing, uh, following uh, Jamie Stagmeyer and I, you know what I really love? Um, and I, I guess it's just that type of community, but he's not, always just showing his games and the things he's doing like he's also showing the other games he's playing and he and and he's been playing a, a very similar uh, or an expansion to azul or or a new azul version which looks really neat i don't know jamie stagmeyer has uh, a sunday podcast uh well it's a vlog kind of thing. Okay. it's a youtube yep. channel and he does a lot of stuff but his sunday show is like always his top 10 or something mm-hmm. and he does not highlight he, he leaves his games out of those mm-hmm. entirely good uh, I think there's been a couple spots where he's like, well, I can't not mention my sure. name for this. Yeah. But his whole thing, he's he's another great voice in the industry. Community builder, for sure. Uh, he, he is very transparent about everything that Stonemaier Games does. Mm-hmm. He's very positive about the changes they're trying to make. And and he just constantly is, is putting out great stuff and is always uh, eager to respond to people. So whenever people uh, answer chats in his... Um, posts or anything he's always talking with people and and like and listens you know whenever he says uh something and somebody says i don't i don't think you're right about that he he will take that to heart and he will he will consider it and it's it's been great and he's obviously a huge supporter of (laughs) emily hargrave because she's she's been working with him for years so sure yeah 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 they're a great team yeah no absolutely absolutely and and yeah and I know we've talked about a lot them a lot, but uh, but Stonemaier Games are just they're probably one of my favorite publishers certainly. And and if you look at the number of games on my shelves compared to how many they put out, I've I've got a lot of their games. And and it's mm-hmm. one, when I see their you know uh, their symbol on a game, I'm, I'm usually pretty happy uh, or, or uh, curious about what's in the box, even if I've never heard of the game. What's the wine growing wine game that they have? Viticulture which is a huge game. Okay. That fits better on an outdoor list than oh, yeah. even, even Everdell. For sure. <laughs> like that's actually gardening kind of thing. You're actually growing grapes and making wine. Right. That's, a, that's you, outdoors-ish. You could argue Agricola then. Farming. Yeah, and Agricola right? and yeah. therefore as well. Because Agricola sure. is all farming, right? You know. I would. I don't. I don't know how yeah. how well it fits. But it <laughs> Going back to that. Better list. than fantasy woodland creatures. Yeah, the list that drove Mitch crazy. Yeah, it didn't drive I, I thought it was I thought it was a little sloppy. Sure. No, absolutely. I thought it was rushed, maybe. Yep. The other the other game that I was saying we should talk about um also totally fits on the outdoor list. Oh yeah. Survive. Uh, a game that started in 1982, uh was originally published by Parker Brothers and was originally designed by or designed by Julian Cortland Smith. Mm-hmm. And it's totally an outdoor game. It is. You're, you're escaping a sinking island mm-hmm. and trying not to die. Try not to get eaten by sharks. Mm-hmm. This is an adventure game. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's huge. You, well, it's not huge, um, but it's been around for a long time and it's still fun. It is, and I will tell you this. It was the first game that I played as a kid, probably when it first came out, within a year or two of it first came out, if it came out in 82. Um, 
that made me go, board games are really cool. Like it just blew my mind as a young kid, board games are really cool. And I played that game. A friend of mine had it and I played that game because all the other games around were of course Monopoly and Careers and like, you know, the roll and move and round the board and Mad, yeah, Payday, Mad Magazine game. All, and, you know, Clue is a little different, but, but more or less similar in the move around the, the square board. But, but this was amazing. And I think in a lot of ways, I've been thinking about this since we talked, since we said we were going to talk about this, that it probably influenced my decision to play D&D as a kid more than any other thing because of the hex tiles and the adventure quality. And, and, and I mentioned last week too, I've been rewatching Lost. So that ties into the idea of that, you know, the desert island, even though in this case you're uh, you know, lost or stuck there. In this case, you're trying to get off before it blows up. But, but it is a great game. It's got hex tiles. I mean, uh, when I when I when I first got into board games again as an adult, of course, Carcassonne or not Carcassonne, but uh, Catan, of course, is the big one that got a lot of us. I'm not sure if you were on that list. But I know Steve and I cite Catan as as a major, major the first game for me for sure. And when it had the hex tiles, it was just kind of like it brought me back to survive, even though the, te- the hexes are much bigger and don't have the the same thing, but. Um, did you want me to tell you talk a little bit about how Survive is played for anyone who doesn't know? Sure, okay. go for it. So, and, and I don't know how did we you, are on time, but was your was your first game that you played when you were a kid? Was it Survive or was it Escape from Atlanta? No, it was Survive. It was, okay, it was, so that's okay. that's eighty two. Mm-hmm. It got released in eighty six in Canada as Escape from Atlantis. Mm-hmm as a bilingual edition. So, okay, no, def- definitely. It's the survive game. And it's the game that I have on my shelf that I bought at a goodwill in my hometown for like two bucks. It's missing one piece and it is the game I played and it's in a um, like mint condition. I, I think we've played it uh, at least once, but it's a beautiful game. So you, you start off, you have all of these, um, uh, uh, hex tiles and they're, they're small. They're about the size of a toonie, I guess, something along that, that size, uh, much smaller than, than Catan. And you flip them up and they have three designs on the back. They have beach, they have forest and they have stone or mountain. And you start with the mountain tiles and you put them in the center. And right in the center is kind of like, you know, the volcano kind of, um, you know, where the volcano will eventually blow up. And you put the stone around and then you put the forest tiles around randomly. Um, and then you put the beach tiles around. And during your turn, you do three things. You, you, you each take a color and you have a number of little meeples. And they, uh, when you're placing them, you can look at the numbers on the bottom between one and six. And these are your victory points. But once they are on the board, you cannot look at what the points are. So you have to have a very good memory of where your higher scoring meeple are. Um, and it's so easy to forget. I've never really even paid any attention to that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but if you wanted to make it a really high cutthroat strategy game, that, that would be very important. So you move your meeple three spaces. Uh, you can move from... Um, tile to tile on the island, any terrain, you could go right into the ocean and start swimming to the four corners of the board, which are safe islands that you have to get to. That's the, that's the goal of the game before the, uh, the center island explodes. Um, so you move, you can also move into boats or out of boats and you can, and move boats with several people in as part of your movement turn. Once you've moved three spaces in, in one of these um, fashions and, or, or in a combination, then you flip one of the tiles and some of the tiles, you start with the beach tiles until they're all gone, then the forest and the, and the rocks. Some tiles uh, make something appear. Like you'll turn it over and there'll be a whale tail or a shark fin or a sea monster. You put a creature on the board. Some of them tell you to do something right away. And some of them are something you keep for later on in the game, kind of like a card or a special ability, one use, one off use. Um, and then after you flip the tile, the third thing you do is roll a dice. 
the six-sided die has two whale tails, two shark fins, and two sea monsters. And basically, whatever you roll, if there's one of these creatures in play, you move this so many spaces depending on the creature type. And the whales tip over boats but don't harm swimmers. The sharks can't harm people in boats, but they can eat swimmers. And the sea monsters flip over your boat and eat you, so they're the worst. And I do believe one of the sea monsters starts in the middle of the board as well in that in the center of the island and but can't escape until it, you know, gets out. And yeah. For the for the sake of time. Sure, yes, I know. Or you have a bunch of meeple mm -hmm. that you need to get into boats or can swim mm -hmm. away from the island. Mm -hmm. And and the people you're playing against and yourself get the chance to move around sharks and whales of danger that can ruin your chances of survival. Mm -hmm. And as you're playing, the island slowly sinks. And if any of your people are on the pieces that sink, they're gone. Well, they in go into the ocean. In, oh, they, and they can swim from there. They can okay. swim from there, yeah. So they can still survive. Um, in, I don't think it exists anymore, but in the original version, you have that volcano tile that can explode and kill everybody. Yes, and as soon as, soon as, that's, soon as that's revealed, the game ends, and anyone in the water who's not on an island is basically sucked into a gigantic whirlpool. So I don't think that exists anymore in, in the newer version. Oh, interesting. So I don't th I think that's one of the things that got removed. Mm -hmm. And and now you just play till the island sinks and it doesn't, you know, Blow up? shorten the game. Oh. But I'm I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure. I like but I think you just play till mm -hmm. till it's over instead of okay. surprise, the island's gone. Mm -hmm. Um the UK version of this, which was uh, ninety eighty six, okay, has I think plastic molded pieces. Okay like terrain actually which means that you could probably use that uh for terraforming mars Ooh. you probably yeah yeah sneak the that greenery it's yep. probably probably close to the same size mm -hmm. um my my thing that i think is, yeah, is super cool. funny um coming up with games that you can play together to make a nice mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. evening mashups uh, mashups yeah, sort of thing yeah. but not but not combining them so much mm -hmm. but just playing one game after another to tell a larger story oh i see yeah my my first idea was uh, the Celestia game where you're you're flying an airship and it's a push your luck game mm -hmm. and you keep moving in this airship and then after that you play Escape the Forbidden Desert where your airship has crashed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and you have to now get, escape the desert. It's not called Escape. It's just Forbidden Desert. Mm -hmm. So so with Survive, you could play a game of terraforming Mars, and then and then use the terraforming Mars board and tiles to build the Survive map. Mm -hmm. and and the survive meeple and then you have to escape mars because something went wrong and now it's going to blow up and you have to escape to another celestial body yeah, so you or... use all the survive rules right and the survive oh that's interesting spaceships yeah yeah and yeah yeah and you, so now you have to just get off of mars except for you can't swim you you can't float well you you know it's you bouncing on the atmosphere of mars i don't know yeah okay it, it would work sure it's be or it'd be you'd have to maybe it's like jetpacks and jetpacks and shuttle you would have to use your imagination yeah a lot yeah i think but space you could probably space i think you can make it work i think and another another terrible bashing no it's not it's not bad uh spin master games this i swear it totally relates spin master games i just read today is is releasing a new uh titanic the movie game okay a little late that, for that isn't it that, well, no. Everybody is doing. Everybody's bringing back IPs. So Jaws just got done. Oh, yeah. Future just got done. Sure. Uh, the Shining's getting done twice. Uh, everything is back. So Spin Master Games is doing Titanic the movie. Mm -hmm. One of the small downsides. Usually, anything from the movie has 
overuse of I'm the king of the world graphs instead of art, but it looks pretty good. And it plays a little like survive where you have a four by nine grid of the boat that is slowly sinking mm-hmm. every time you flip over a tile oh, yeah. sinks, and you're trying yeah, to yeah. get, you're, you're trying to get meeples into boats to get them away from the ship and survive. Uh, Before the boat goes down, takes everyone else. It differs quite a bit in the fact that I think there are cards called star cards where you have to perform bits from the movie oh, and and maybe some trivia. I don't know. Yeah, I'm less interested it in that looks, part. It, it looks interesting mm-hmm. uh, for how they've presented it, right. but and Spin Master and I just thought it tied in yeah. with the live, but I don't think it's. I'm not buying. Yeah, and Spin Master is the, is the, is the Canadian company, right? The big Canadian toy company. Spin Master, where is? I'm pretty sure. Ask me all these questions, like I'm a. Uh, you're an, an expert, in, industry insider. Well, you, you're uh, more than more than I am. The reason I, if, if it is, if I, if I'm correct in thinking it's the company that that it is, one Canadian of, global toy and entertainment company. Yeah, yeah, one of the guys, one of the big executives who was with the company at least when it began. I, I'm assuming he's still there. I don't know. Is a guy I went to Mount A with. Guy named Matt Wexler. I don't know if he's still there, and uh, we we have some mutual friends uh, who know him a lot better than, than than I do, and who have stayed in touch with him. But I used to run into him in Toronto every now and then. And he used to say, "Yeah, I'm working for a toy company." I was like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool." And I didn't realize at the time that the company was like taking off, and he became like he got in at the ground floor. I think it was started by a friend of his or a couple of friends of his, and he they just kind of hired him at a university to help out with things. And that's great. He made a career I'm, of it. I'm gonna buy it now. Now I'm there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'll get Titanic. I'm I'm positive it's Spin Master that that because uh, I think that the first thing they did was um was an animated related an anim- animation related toy, I think. Anyway, I don't remember. But anyway, it's kind of neat. It's it, it's weird. Um, like I said, when I knew him, I didn't wasn't really into uh, games, and then when I kind of got back into games, I realized, oh my god, that guy I used to know was really kind of became a, a you know. And I think I, I don't think he was necessarily a real gamer himself. It was something that he almost fell into and then became, you know, more engaged in it. Um, you know. Yeah, and they're, most of their games are very like they're a, mostly a toy company. Yes, and then that's right. And then they have a games line. Yes, that uh, a lot of it is educational or puzzle game, mm-hmm. but they do have some pretty good IPs on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, Spin Master. And I don't know if they're just licensing some stuff. I think selling can. Oh, I do believe that's the case. Um, and I think they really. Uh, again, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I've got a I've got a funny feeling that um, um, how they really kind of made it big was they were able to license something that they made somewhere else, and that kind of gave them the money to kind of expand. As I, um, uh, yeah, uh, Matt Wexler exits Spin Master, so he's no longer there as of 2012. Just found a news story. I was just curious. So he was with them. For a long time, but he hasn't been with them for a few years. Uh, we do have two of their games here that we play. Okay, one one what, is that they have an escape room game we haven't played yet. What okay. we have yep. sitting in the box waiting to play. Okay, and they have uh, <laughs> a game about unicorns pooping. Macy <laughs> <Nancy> loves. <laughs> of course. Oh, and they're selling. They sell five minute dungeon, but it's not. It's not their game. That's another Canadian company. Okay. That does five minute dungeon. So they're like distribu- is, distributing it or publishing it. They, yeah, I, I'm guessing they must have a distribution distribution for it. But sure. five minute dungeon is from Wiggles 3D, which is another Canadian mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Canada has a lot of game stuff going on. It's pretty good. Uh, well, that was going to be my next question. It's something I'd like to know more about. But uh, like, how many? Well, let's we'll look into it. We'll make an episode of that. Uh, uh, that sounds good. I'd like to do that. 
How are we doing on time too, Mitch? We must be getting pretty oh, close I'm to the sure end. We've, I'm sure we've blown right past. Yeah, I know. And yeah, I know you have some editing to do. Well, <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to uh, try to survive until uh, next week, and uh, then we'll come back and talk more about board games. We'll come back and spread our wings again. Ha, ha, ha. Way to tie it in. No, that's terrible. Okay. While that's we nest fair. at home. <laughs> I don't know what to do. We're <laughs> we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. All right. But if...